0: Coming from Charm City, I'm Anthony,
1: and I'm CC, and
0: you're listening to Lit Pop Bang. All right, welcome everybody. We have a great episode for you today. We're here with Leo Perpera. yeah, um, a talented writer, essayist, poet. Um, I think you're gonna read the bio for us. Yes, go I'm right into it. In. Yeah.
1: Leah Purpura is the author of eight collections of essays, poems, and translations. Most recently, a collection of poems, It Shouldn't Have Been Beautiful by Penguin. On Looking, Essays by Sarah Band Books was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award. Her awards include many that I would love to win uh, Guggenheim, (laughs) the NEA, the Fulbright Fellowship, as well as four Pushcart Prizes, the Associated Writing Programs Award in Nonfiction, and others. Her work has appeared everywhere uh, in The New Yorker, The New Republic, Orion, The Paris Review, Georgia Review, Agni, and elsewhere. She lives here in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, she's the writer-in-residence at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, which is UMBC, and she teaches at the Rainer. Rainer Writing Workshops MFA program. Her new collection of essays, which we will talk about today, All the Fierce Tethers, will be out in March 2019 with Sarah Band Books.
0: So that's your official bio. It is. But we always give uh, people a chance to talk about themselves, too. So that's what's on paper. What's not on there? What's like you, the person that's not on the
2: bio? What would you like to
1: add? What's something personal, something interesting you'd like uh, the listeners to know?
2: Wow. Well, (laughs) what else can I tell you? I am in an interesting transitional way of being in Baltimore these days, and it has everything to do with trying to reestablish what it means to be in a neighborhood hmm. and to think about ways that we're um, kind of living under uh, legacy apartheid in the city and ways of sort of restructuring and rethinking um, individually, how we each think about our neighborhoods. So that is, um, I guess, I'm talking about that because um, I was driving through um, some different neighborhoods uh, in order to get here. There was all kinds of construction, and sure. um, I got to see different neighborhoods um, at you know time of day. I'm not usually sort of driving around and. Um, it's astonishing how, you know, a season changes and a perspective changes and everything um, sort of pops, even in this kind of gray winter mm. light. So I'm thinking a lot about being kind of in-placed in Baltimore and what that what that means. Um, I walk my dog all over the place. Uh, we have a big white poodle named Ruby. Oh, that's, that's and, something to add to the bio. Yeah, Ruby. we could add that. Yeah. Um, how old is Ruby? Ruby is eleven, oh. and she uh, she's actually blind, but she's very, very adapted oh, God, at this point. She had a period of being completely freaked out, and mm. uh, she figured it out now, and that's just kind of a beautiful thing to see, and it's really um, it's kind of encouraging. She, she uses her very long pointy nose like a cane mm. and she uh, sort of taps stairs so cool. and finds her way down that way. That's cool. She does. She just reorients and um, kind of gives me new ideas about how to how to reorient. Um, what else? I am ever in search of like the perfect pair of shoes and <laughs> jeans, combo. This is a problem because the Valley Village in our neighborhood closed down.
1: Okay, I'm if sorry. Do you know the
2: Valley Village on uh, yeah, York Road, it was yep. a tragedy um, in many ways. And I kind of do mean minor tragedy because um, that was actually a gathering place uh, mm-hmm. for east and west sides of, of York Road. Um, and so what got yanked was way more than, um, you know, one of my favorite uh, places um, to find treasures. But... Um, it, it it was almost like a community center being yanked. And so um, there aren't that many great t- sort of meeting spots um, in our neighborhood anymore. So I miss it in that way. So everything seems to be coming back to, uh, yeah, community you know, community, and, yeah. which is something I'm thinking an awful lot about these days. And something yep. that you
1: and I worked on earlier mm-hmm. this year. yeah. Yep. So In
2: fact, yes, you were, you were visiting UMBC, yeah. Um, you know, Which under was the fantastic. guise of being, you know, a tremendously important part of what it means to act in community. Yeah, oh, and that's no, going to be great. a
1: series, right? The series that I've, it, there were going to be multiple people who come as part of this series at UMBC? At UBC, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's what that, I thought.
2: That's our, I run the reading series there. And, great. Um, so that was uh, the the sort of theme of the year. Um, that's cool. Yep. have to get, cool. get people cool. in who can read and talk about what it means to live as an artist in community. Right. So
0: great.
1: Yeah. I'm going to re- reference that later, but I think yeah. Anthony
0: has a question first. Um, yeah, so one of the first things I have on paper here is um, your new book. So tell us about All the Fierce Tethers.
2: Well, this is a collection of essays, um, and the it's it's still it's still new to me as a collection. It's not yeah. new sort of essay to essay but I'm still getting to know it as a collection and that's a really different way of getting to know uh, your work. And so I'm still trying to, you know, tether up what, what, the, what the forces are. Um, I have, I have uh, two sort of intersecting um, interests or, or, or passions, really, and one is um, ways that we look at uh, the land and non-human creatures and um, acknowledge them or don't acknowledge them or symbolize them and therefore lift them out of their unique um, forms. And I'm also interested in um, what it means to be living in a city and the strange, particularly strange um, area that I live in, which is a kind of ecotone. Um, An ecotone is that space, um, threshold space, between one landform and and another. So, um, for example, an estuary is an ecotone, Uh or um, a meadow, Uh as it kind of grades into a forest, is, um, is an ecotone. So I can be lying in bed at night and hear, on one hand, owls, and on the other, gunshots. Wow! Um, I can walk in one. I can walk one block um, in one direction, um, west, and see a herd of twenty deer, and walk one block in the other direction, and get to the methadone clinic where I teach on Thursdays. Um, And so, I think we have ways of existing that forget or or just override the strangeness um, of of where we exist, and we accept the. Sort of conventions that we have um, that allow us to live day to day, or put in place certain conventions of perception that allow us to live comfortably day to day. But I'm really interested in this collection and in life in general, in trying to name what's going on in these very strange liminal spaces. Mm. So, um, I, I I really uh, want to um, be sort of stretched out in that space where I can hear with one ear and uh-huh. hear with another ear simultaneously. Yeah. So I guess the collection's also, also um, interested in, or I'm interested in these essays, in, in, in figuring out strategies for acknowledging and living with despair, both our urban forms of despair that we're dealing with in Baltimore and um, larger forms of despair like climate change. It's really hard to get language for any of that, Mm. Um, and and the essays. uh, Many of the essays are actually involved in trying to make language. Some some of them actually make words. Oh, um, this is cool. To kind of deal Deal. with Mm. um, new forms of of uh, perception that we haven't really looked at before. I'm trying to think about ways to be to 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 respect, I guess. Um, the the very awake interiors of um, non-human beings. Um, I am trying to expose the sacred in the secular um, in some of these essays. Some of them are grounded absolutely like on the street. I have a series called Blood Spots, and um, I got involved as a sort of urban um, experiment, explore, I don't know what to to call it, um, in really staying with blood on the street, um, post, post shootings, um, and trying to, you know, sort of figure out, uh, how we, how we even, how, how I might even move into being with that. Yeah. So that's that's some of it. That's some of the collection. That's some of the collection. Yeah. I will have to figure out a shorter way of uh, discussing some of that. I guess, <laughs> it's, but a, I sound, just... a
1: sound a sound bite. You're going to look, look for a uh, soundbite.
2: Yeah, sound bites are so hard, and paraphrases do such they, damage. I, 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 I agree. I can't find I the elevator agree. speech, and uh, I always have to sort of. Like, I find myself saying this in class all the time. Like, wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. Stay with me. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah, back in I mean, it way up. I, I to I go way forward so just hang on. I mean
1: attention deficit disorder of, yeah. of uh the academy yeah, yeah. the academy <laughs> and young people, you often have to slow things down mm-hmm. so yeah. that they can yeah.
0: I actually ran into similar. So I just launched my first book three three months ago now, um, and beautiful. Um, I was looking to so say, like, how do I talk about it? How do I yeah. when people package ask me about it, it right? How do I package it. it, right? And I kept saying that, and it was when so the marketing material I sent to them, and then when they talk about the book, and when reviewers talk about the book, sometimes with those materials, they keep repeating what I'm saying, and that's sort of good, but I'm also like, <laughs> well, the book's not just that, right? Like, I, right. Don't, I, oh, wa- no. I don't want it to end up being just that talking point, right? I'm like, yeah. um, and it's only rarely that someone is, is reading it respond to it in a way that's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that's it, that's the richness I wish my book was Right, or the in. thoughtfulness
1: yeah. or yeah. the full expanse of yeah. what it is, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, it's hard. Not- I think it takes a lot of courage, really, to try to talk about the thing that you've already written about. Mm. Because you've written about it, clearly, because that is your way in. And you're trying to find the nuance, and you're trying to find something you didn't know existed in it. You're trying to discover something. And when someone asks you to, um, you know, sort of frame it up, that's pretty much exactly the impulse you're working against. It is. You're totally right. (laughs) You're totally right, Leah. So it's almost, you know, you should, uh, if you... You didn't ask for this advice, but here it is. Um, (laughs) We love that. I understand that it is a kind of damage done to Mm. the spirit. You know, Mm. when you're asked to talk about uh, work in a sort of down and dirty, quick way in order to package it, because you're not in the business. We're not in the business of packaging. We're in the business of trying to actually do exactly the opposite, which is um, unpack. Unpack, you could say. Yeah,
1: yeah. And especially in essays. I mean, you know,
2: Yeah. yeah, asking.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. totally the the goal. It's. Yeah. Talking to Leah makes makes me nervous, boy she. she, she I'm like, wow, this podcast today is getting uh, getting deep. She's like, it's a, there's a damage that's done. I'm like, what? you know, I'm yeah. like,
0: ah. Thanks. Speaking of deepness, I was also going to say that the how you describe blessed also reminds me of this really great work that's going on in Baltimore. Um, a really amazing activist here in Baltimore is Erica Bridgefort.
2: Oh, uh, Erica! Yeah, I've yeah. been to her to the Sacred Sevens. Yeah. Do you know about that?
0: Is it that the the t- Talking groups. The
2: the sacred sevens are um, the sort of sacralizing events that take place over um, murder. Yeah, teams. that's what I was gonna. Yeah, exactly. And that. they're extraordinary. Yeah. Oh no, I really, can't believe that. deeply powerful. So she's
0: she's going to places around the city where murders have occurred mm-hmm. and. Praying over them, she's saging the spots. Mm-hmm. Um, she's hold, making it yeah, sacred ground again um, after these horrific events have happened. Yeah. Uh, and that's just one small part of the amazing work she's doing. She's working with mm-hmm. ceasefire mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, but the, yeah, Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when I thought of blood spots. Yeah. that work of like yeah. returning to these sites and making something new of them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. they yeah. not, and she really emphasizes they're not. Uh, memorial sites, they're not vigils, they're not, you know, a gathering of friends and balloons and RIP posters, which are all incredibly important and yeah. community-based forms of mourning and remembrance, but she is really resacralizing and connecting um, to the spirit that's passed in that spot, and confirming that that life mattered. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah sure. And it mattered to community. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the really interesting things she said too, in the last one I went to, which is out on Sedonia Road, um, she was saging all of the trees along mm-hmm. the path to the back alley. And she, she said something like, all of these trees are traumatized because of what they've had to witness, and they can't in any way not witness, not be witness to this violence. And so uh, I was incredibly moved by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've been, you know, to... Uh, events that one one of the great things about these events is that is is how wide the the community net is thrown and so she's you know get I, I, you know i can be sitting across the table from a really young activist um, a preschool teacher someone you know a, a young businesswoman and uh, a hopkins trauma surgeon mm-hmm. like at one table yeah and yeah, okay. you know that's that is my that's my idea of of worship you know that's that's really um, what community should be connecting all those yeah.
1: people together. Yeah, yeah, totally totally agree um, There's one thing I wanted to also reference when you were talking about your collection of essays and you talked about um spaces of urban decay, I think that's um, really important because often to me, uh, I'm telling people places have closed in Baltimore that I've been very uh, personally attached to and so whether it's a clothing store or it's a bookstore or yeah, a yeah. bar or a restaurant mm-hmm. which is closed, these are places that community gathers, kind of what Leah is saying about you know bringing different people to the table, right? That's the important part and so for me, um, I have always been one of those people, even when I lived in New York for years I sat outside of, uh, on fifth avenue i sat outside a coliseum books and cried mm-hmm. like a baby when it closed i, I sat in a little <laughs> off bryant park i sat on a little park bench and i just sat there and cried people <laughs> one guy came by he said are you okay have you lost someone important you know <laughs> and I said, yes, I, I said kind of i said kind of and i, I was just like you know i mean i knew it was coming it was coming 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 and they sort of said oh this is the last however many days yeah. but then they closed you know without any pomp and circumstance mm-hmm. telling mm-hmm. people what the exact day was so i came one day I was like, oh, I'll do another final look through. You know, Coliseum Books is my yeah. favorite bookstore. I used to go there after no, work, before work. Was, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm from New and, York. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I yeah. know that. So yeah, Coliseum Books. But anyway, the point was is that I sat outside of a building and cried as if my grandmother had passed again, which makes she rest in peace. She's already dead. But the point is, you yeah. know, is that I feel like that about spaces very much. I mean, I love people, but also to me, spaces represent places where people from the community can come and, you know, worship, whether it's over drinks at a bar or Mm -hmm. whether it's a clothing store where you find shoes and jeans Mm -hmm. you know it's all the same sort of thing so I like that word um, when you're thinking about like urban decay and sort of like those, those sorts of things are very important to me and often when I'm at a I don't know, when I'm at a building or I'm at a restaurant closing, I'm often, like, a little misty-eyed, and people are like, what's wrong with you? And I'm just like, I don't know where all these people are going to go anymore, you know? It's just, I don't know. Anyway. No, it's
2: huge. Yeah, it is, and
1: so I like the phrase for it, yeah. But anyway, I have a question um, about something you said in a particular essay and uh, I'm gonna actually quote the essay. It's in uh, "Shit's Beautiful," which you know, oh, yeah. and we've talked about over dinner before. Mm-hmm. You've read it. Which in... is
2: the perfect place to talk about shit. <laughs> of and you can
1: say shit here at Lip Pop Bang. <laughs> right. But anyway, the quote that I extracted from the essay is: "You said, indeed, it's hard to know the wealth you're born into until it's compromised or taken away. Until the crash comes, the doors close, and the gates seal against you." The comings and goings no longer freely, unthinkingly performed. Um, And these lines particularly make me think of everything of this current political uh, I don't know moment that America is in, but I wanted to ask you: shit what...
2: storm? Would that be a shit storm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's not a bad. <laughs> but I, you know, but I know the essay was written a while ago, and so I wanted to ask you: like, what are those lines? Uh, you, you you know, the, your your lines. What do they mean to you now, or what do they make you think of in particular now? I don't know. Maybe since you're dealing with uh, Baltimore community, maybe they remind mm-hmm. you of something local, but or also they could be something national
2: that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. Those those lines in that section is um, is they really deal with a very um, a very intimate uh, kind of sensation, and the 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 sensation is of course about recognizing how broken one has been, um, or in pain, or you know wrecked, or physically unable, and then feeling the true miracle of, um, coming out of that and mm-hmm. feeling, right. Um, that, you know, I'm once again, whole and working. Um, and after various you know surgeries in, right. in, in, in my life, there's always, you know, there've been long, long periods of recovery and then sort of coming up out of that and, and realizing, um, wow, I just got up out of that chair and walked to the front door without pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, that space there is a space I would like to, you know, occupy, um, even without the intense flag of 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 you know, like being wounded um, to have to sort of uh, illuminate it for me. So that that sense of being, um, that kind of reprieve, I guess, is what I was really, really getting at. Um,
1: and what does it make you think about now?
2: Apprieve now um, I hope it doesn't just elide into a sense of nostalgia you
0: know mm. for yeah, the good yeah. old days mm. or
2: um you know mm. it does though because we had you know <laughs> we had we had Obama, <laughs> and now we've got this um, like real this. cruelty, real yeah. real you know institutionalized and uh normalized cruelty in so many ways so. Um so I you know, I can't allow it to, to simply rest on, you know, that sort of nostalgia that sense of um, you know, a time when there was a kind of relative health going on. Um so does that answer that in some way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I mean you hope
1: that it's not uh, you know, yeah, reprieve is not a thing of the past. Yeah. I mean that that is an answer for yeah. uh yeah, what what those Lines, those words, those phrases mean to you now. Mm -hmm. I think it's often that, you know, um, we write things and whether they're prophetic or, you Mm -hmm. know, they Mm -hmm. are... Um, but they're often contextualized in different sorts of ways when we write them and then different mm-hmm. as time mm-hmm, goes mm-hmm. on. And so that's really what I, I just wanted to, you know, uh, see where you were sitting with lines like that. Because, you know, it, whether it's a poem or an essay or whatever, you write things yeah. for a particular moment. Yeah. And then once you're promoting those yeah. Yeah. those items you're, or you're out and you're reading, you're sort of thinking, yeah, like this speaks to the current moment in ways that I probably <laughs> did or did not know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's That's such a common occurrence, especially with, um, uh, with poems, for me, there's that sense, and I'm, I'm sure you, you've you experienced this also, the sense that your poems are just so much smarter than you are. They and are. You really <laughs> they uh, are. You yeah. ought they to are. listen to them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, I, you know... I love that. And with some calibration or, you know, perceptive, you know, instrument in, in me, I recognize this, but, you know, now that I'm reading it, I think, wow... Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Listen to that. There it is. You said that. So why don't you just take a hold of that and you know take some comfort in the fact that you somewhere in you know that thing that you should be knowing. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. You've unlocked it somewhere. Yeah. You've
2: unlocked it somewhere. <laughs> right.
0: Um, cool. So I had one other question too before we move into talking about pop culture, and that is. Yeah. Um, so, so okay, cool. So um, every now and then there's this conversation that pops up um, in circles of nonfiction writers about truth in creative nonfiction. Um and I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Mm. Um and oh whether God. like striving for veracity feels like urgent to you in your work uh or if it takes a back seat to other literary considerations Ooh, like, like lyricism that. in your case.
2: Lyricism. Yeah. Oh, I think you can be lyrically and urgently truthful. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I have I have absolutely no desire to change you know the number of houses on a block or
0: alter <laughs> blah blah for
2: the rhythm for the sake of rhythm yeah. um, you know the 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 urgency um, comes in uh, for for me in using actual facts in some sort of you know beautiful or new newly tethered way yeah um, there nothing really I mean. So, so, so truth is is you know beyond enormous as a as a, as a concept, but facts, um, you know, can't can't be manipulated um, mm. and reconceived or reconvened for your purposes. I think you know there's all kinds of lyrical work to be done by using the, the found materials in front of you. Yeah. So facts are sort of like found materials. Um, and by facts, I mean, you know, what is your blood pressure? <clears throat> you know, when when were you born? Right. Um, was this bill right. signed into law under, you know, what, what president? Do you actually mean what you say? Right. Um, Not alternative when facts. When you shoot off a line like, you know, well, you know, we'll take all means necessary, you know, to stop the caravan, um, yet, and then enforce that by suggesting that maybe you will shoot people.
1: Right. Right. So, right.
2: The, you know, the, the elisions and suggestions and shadings and ways that, um, uh, lives and vitriol are being wielded today Mm. are incredibly dangerous. Um, so I feel, Yes, absolutely urgent about facts. Right. Um, And I feel equally um, urgent about beauty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the lyricism that's possible in language. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no,
0: that's exactly, especially the way you sort of allude to both the conversations and the current political climate, right? Like, mm. um, for me, it's it's something I've been thinking about for a long time, and it's really, really contextualized in January 2017, right? And moving forward since then, um, the ideas of what is truth and what is fact— mm. um, and what that means at this moment. And it means at this moment that yeah.
2: some people exist and some people don't. Yeah. Or absolutely. you might have existed last month, but now you're being written the hell out. Yeah. Yeah. You legally existence. no longer exist. You will yeah. legally no longer exist. Yeah. Um, you don't, you know, appear on paper. And so as writers, you know, we we need to make it appear on paper. Make us all and all of our realities appear on paper because we actually are in danger of being erased. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah um my last question that I had um actually feeds into everything that we've been talking about um it's a very simple question do the essays feed the poems or do the poems feed the essays it's a very it's a very simple stripped down question it is. And, I, and, I'm, and I wonder because you know um I am not an essayist um I have written an essay or two, but that's not my genre. Um, so I wonder, you know, essays long form. Well, in your case, some of them are shorter and some of them are longer. It really depends uh, for you. They end up to me sometimes being like extended poems and weird yeah, yeah. to me, for me individually. Oh, but, I think
2: that's right on. Okay. I was oh, like, I don't, yeah.
1: I don't know. if I don't want to put mm-hmm. that phrase out there mm-hmm. if it's not something that you would take on. But anyway, I, I wonder which feeds which. And, you know, when you're in a, a writing mode, are you yeah. writing all essays or are you writing... Some essays and a few poems. Or, you know, I just wonder what uh, what the process is.
2: Yeah. Well, in the past, I've kept them both really separate. I mm. work on essays and poems at the same time. The poems in the last book, it shouldn't have been beautiful, are really short, and strangely, those poems functioned like little essays. Mm. Um, they're they're like they're like koans or um, small essays, really, that that think through a premise or an idea or almost a thesis. Um, And then the essays, of course, as you're saying, um, really do function like long poems. They make leaps, and they meander, and they kind of question things. And their language is close to the language of poetry, what we think about when we say that. so it's always been really easy to keep both of them sort Separate. of on different tracks, and um, it very early on when I'm sketching something out, something moves into onto the poem track and or moves onto the essay track. Um, I almost don't ever pull one from one track to the other, hmm. but things are changing. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's very surprising. The poems are becoming way longer oh. interrupted by all kinds of worth uh, the the how can I say this the, the poems themselves are uh, are admitting interruption um, in ways that that I haven't before and admitting the sidelong and the sort of prosy and the oh. way more, I would say intimate um, than the last book. And the essays are getting shorter, so <laughs> I don't know. Some the weird parabolic thing is happening. Yeah, yeah. Like the, I don't know if the tracks are going to cross or if they're just going to run up so close really that they, they look like yeah. you know one like like a really nice ice skate blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> it's actually, when you look close, it's they're you know the figure skates are like two little blades. Yeah. Um. So I don't know what's happening there, but they're forms that partake of you know each other's strengths and they're. Of course, switching yeah. tracks and um,
1: yeah, it'll be so interesting to see where it goes. I'm
2: following it, but I think the I think the poems are getting long, and hmm. um, I'm currently working on an essay that's m- more expository and journalistic than I've ever mm. done oh, wow. before. That's interesting too. On uh, green burial, which is mm, just what fun. burials used to be yeah. um, before <laughs> right. we started embalming everybody right? and right, shooting right, them up right, with right,
1: right, right stuff,
2: toxic benzene based. Ola. yeah but anyway that um so that's kind of inching into another form that i'm um, interested in but it's under deadline so i never work under deadline i'm never commissioned and oh. it's completely you know agitating to me yeah.
1: <laughs> i like that I, I i would love to take on that same mm. uh, feeling or mm. and or oh,
2: it'll push the work right out of you yeah i've done it i like, I, I, I don't
1: you know, want to do it but anyway
0: we'll see we'll see where the work goes All right, and we're back with the pop section we of are. the program. Some interesting stuff going on this month. There's
1: always uh, interesting
0: Always stuff. a political nightmare going on, so as always, <laughs> we're going to say uh, we wish the best to everyone being affected by the current administration, but we are going to bring a little levity. We're going to talk about some of the pop culture that's not so devastating, so what do we have yeah, this week?
1: First off, well, I'm always interested in talking about Meghan Markle because she's our you know first black pin- princess, or I, maybe first... Mixed-race princess, however people mm-hmm. might want to wanna, wanna uh, look at it. But anyway, her and Prince Harry are on their royal tour, which is very exciting. They're taking a tour, going to visit uh, Fiji, New Zealand, Tonga, um, Australia. Visit all these places and do sort of um, their royal thing in terms of uh, talking about youth leadership and conservation and environmental efforts, which I'm imagining uh, many of the royals have done in the past. But theirs is getting a lot of press, of course, right? You know, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. They also, while they're on the tour, announced her pregnancy, which everyone's going crazy about. I mean, and maybe she might have been, I hate to say it, she might have been pregnant, actually, when they were... I mean, who knows? I don't, said, oh,
0: wait, are you saying the Royal Wedding was a shotgun wedding?
1: I'm, I'm not, not saying that. that. You are not saying that. But I am alluding to it. Look, I'm not saying that, but I am alluding to it. But um, I do like a lot of the efforts that they're uh, supporting. They visited farmers. They were hit by drought. drought. Um, you know, they've been to uh, some kind of odd smoking ceremony where Prince Harry was standing over uh, this indigenous person. With, you know, that was kind of a weird uh, visual moment on television. But um, they've also visited a social enterprise cafe that has programs for training uh, young Aboriginal people. So I like um, some of the endeavors that they're uh, going and checking out. I don't know how much, you know, you're always wondering uh, how much good it really does, but I sometimes think actually even visiting these places uh, gives a face to some of these uh, issues. And even further, uh, you know, Prince Harry men- mentioned his battle with mental illness, which I think um, is also giving a face to some things that people often don't talk about in public. So I think, um, I think the tour is interesting, and something to talk about besides Meghan Markle's pregnancy which I'm always here for yeah um.
0: <laughs> yeah I have a problem as like a, a, I don't know like as a I have a problem loving Roe Wedding News as a socialist as an anti-colonialist um, well
1: yeah sure uh, I mean I also I am those things a yeah. white
0: prince standing over an aboriginal uh, person uh, in probably a colonized place not an image that I'd be excited if I were them to share on international television.
1: Yeah, because, you mean because of the history?
0: And the current sort of colonial reach of uh, the Commonwealth Kingdom.
1: Yeah, but, uh. the, but, the, but he is not responsible. I mean, he so indirectly is responsible for that. I don't think that you can, I mean, that's like, I don't know. That's like looking at white people as as responsible for all of slavery here and now in this current. Like I don't. I don't have time for that. Like we. we I mean, the, the, the world needs to progress, and if the world is going to progress, then sometimes I feel like some of the people who have enacted some of the pain and the trauma that has happened to these people, yeah, yeah. we they need to give FaceTime to these people. So these people, whether it's whether it's a commercial or material FaceTime or not, I think it's important that we sometimes see that, and that might. Bring them more. It might galvanize these people, or it might galvanize uh, relief efforts. You never yeah. know, right? Really, what the influence of him being there is—whether or not it's a real moment or not—is uh, unimportant to me. Yeah. You know, in that respect, I don't know, Leah. How do you feel?
2: <laughs> well, that was a great back and forth, right there. <laughs> um, there, I, I am weirdly interested in the royals, mm. um, and they're—they are so deeply quirky they are. and they are. and and they're such oddballs and they're 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 of course on stage presence is one of you know upholding certain traditions and behaving um with you know the the highest you know ranking form of of uh, you know, civility and taste and manners, mm-hmm. but they're actually incredibly quirky. I mean, you know, the, the, the queen and her corgis yep. and, you know, the sort of Camilla and Prince, yeah, that was totally quirky. you know, sort of to-do, and um, the fact that we're so deeply obsessed with Um, Whether or not you know he touched her hand in public, Mm. or whether or not he you know held both of her hands at once, which would be an extraordinary display of you know public affection, Mm. or whether or not she wore stripes—I
0: remember when she closed her car door and like, oh my god, she can't close her car
2: door! Right, she can't do that. I'm (laughs) I'm not into any any of of that.
1: I'm not into any of any of any (laughs) of those gestures. All of that BS, I'm not not into. She
2: recycled her dress, but I'm mentioning the. The strange, just because guy. as Americans, you know, we're still like reporting on this and and you know somehow like partaking, sure. in this in this you know bizarre um, set of protocols, right? That that they must somehow, you know, in their constricted way, you know, work within. But they're such so, they're so odd. I know I I met a woman last summer um, who's British and. Just fell all over herself in adoration, um, or expressing her adoration for the queen. She said, "I know I'm not supposed to. It's terrible, but I love her. I adore our queen." She's like, "Look at her! Look at how she stayed in the country." She's like, "Oh, it's so terribly incorrect." And she went on, and she's like, "I'm a lawyer. I can't believe I'm telling you this."
1: Um, I like your <laughs> British accent, by the oh, way. Oh, it's Leah. terrible. I love, I love uh, it. But, I love you it.
2: Know, she said, you, "Look at, look at how she wears." Blue, and you know she, she wears blue better than anyone on this planet. What and, and <laughs> what? Um, and so, like against their will, you know these Brits adore their their queen, but you know there's an aspect to them. They're sort of like caged animals, just yeah, cheerily so cheerily making a go of it, and it's extraordinarily disturbing. Uh, and I'm reflecting on some of what you've just said. Uh, it's extraordinarily disturbing um, in the ways in which they're upholding blood and lineage and yeah, sure um, the purity of the stock yeah and absolutely and I think in America we probably need to admit that we're a bit fascinated with that as yeah. well in in some disturbing ways but isn't the purity of the stock already
1: not as well, pure ideologically at, yeah. as see this, see, this is, this is, it gets, it gets, this is really why fuzzy. Meghan Markle's interesting. Of course. Is like American, course.
0: Multiracial in all of the ways course. that everything yep. that institution has stood for. Yep. Part of us, I don't know, I think like you said, caged animals, they, a time capsule, and to see that disrupted. Right. That's interesting.
2: Right, of yeah, course. It'll yeah. be interesting that's, to see if, you know, if, what, what the disruption looks like and how she drives it well I think some um, of it's already happening
1: that's what I'm saying I'm saying some of I think some of these choices mm -hmm. about where they're visiting and what they're doing are particularly I would say I don't know we can't know from behind the scenes whether or not are of her instigation you know what I mean her uh, instigating it you know what I mean so I I that's that's Mm -hmm. but I don't know I mean again these are this is my speculation I'm not sure
2: a friend of mine was talking during the wedding, um, her her partner um, got up at like five in the morning to watch the wedding, <laughs> I whatever, too. whenever whatever yeah. you had yeah. to. I did too. And she, but she was saying um, how disturbing it really was to see the world, or how sad it made her um, that the world was sort of focused on these two young people in love Yeah. Um, in, in, you know, and and your sort of you know average uh, young couple is you know so often left to sort of make it on their own or you know have their small wedding and the she 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 felt um, that it left out so many forms of love that couldn't be publicly celebrated. Yeah, um, as uh, you know, she's speaking. Particularly as a lesbian, that you know, she said, "I'd never see my wedding up there." Right. And um, and so uh, you know, there's there's the the spectacle of it that's kind of fascinating in a fetishized way, I think. Um, but then there's the reality. I think that hits very hard um, for so many people. You know that this, of course, just shunts my experience kind of further off the table some some, some of what you were yeah. saying earlier I think so um, they're they' are uh, they kind of fascination they they are uh-huh. um, and I yeah. and I do actually sort of follow the news and those oh speaking of fascination the fascinators. Uh-huh. good Being god you know yeah. is this like the one this is like one way that that brits can kind of you know kick it kick yeah. it up but those weird little sculptures that are yeah. affixed to people's heads which cannot even be called hats mm-hmm. but they're these like extraordinary little constructions that somehow are what what are they glued or tied or pinned or snapped or woven onto people's heads they're yeah just,
1: they're wicked. Amazing. they're wicked. Yeah, they're they're interesting. <laughs> that, that, interesting I,
2: that I do follow, I have to say. But you know,
1: I would say to your girlfriend, I don't uh, the friend who you were saying who was saying, you know, um about about looking at the royal wedding and and the ways in which other forms or other the weddings will not be, will not be mm-hmm. um publicized or televised. I think what's really interesting in that comment to me is that I never thought that a half black woman would ever marry mm-hmm. a royal from written yeah so i mean Mm -hmm. and the history of miscegenation here in the united states i mean (laughs) i as someone who am a recipient of that of the of the you know progress we've made here in america so i I would disagree and say, although I, I hear what she's saying, it's often difficult to watch that in thinking about her own current situation. But in terms of the progress that can be made, and I don't know when it will when it will happen, I always tend to be like a a far optimist about what is possible. There's no way in the world that I thought I would be able, as a black woman, to sit in my house and watch a half black woman who is not a royal Mary. Prince Harry. That's something I never imagined. And for yep. me, it was inspirational. For that, it was it, you, the way that Barack Obama and Michelle Obama are inspirational to me in uh, merely on sight, you know, in mm-hmm. that sort of way. So for me, uh, as what I, I salute her, her comment and thinking and talking about that and saying, for her, it's a representation of the things that aren't represented or aren't. Um, you know, celebrated on television, but at the same time, there is progress that is happening, and progress will continue to happen in this country despite whatever obstacles, uh, you know, we face as as a political country. Yeah, and, absolutely. And 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 in Britain.
0: Yeah. So speaking of probably the furthest thing you can get away from uh, the British royals. Yep, I would agree. Uh, uh <laughs> pro wrestling news. Okay. This is interesting. I think now that you are probably avid watchers know. of pro wrestling. Do you watch?
2: Wrestling? Uh yeah. you know, let's I'm so interested in this question. Okay. I'm not
0: even gonna going Okay, gonna okay go so here's interesting thing. Normally, you know I'm interested in this. I think it's like uh I've I talked a lot about like I think uh, pro wrestling really is like in the tradition of like Shakespearean theater. Mm-hmm. It's rowdy, it's for the masses, it's working class. Um and if we view it as a theater lens rather than a sports lens, it becomes much more interesting. Really interesting thing happened this week. So, the sort of like star of the program, I know you probably haven't watched it in a long time, but Yeah, I don't know the star. Uh, uh, in the 80s, 90s, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I knew Or him. Macho Man Rainbow. I, right? know,
1: I know those guys.
0: <laughs> the modern day equivalent of that, a wrestler who goes by the character Roman Reigns, okay. um, opened the show on Monday out of character. He said, I'm your champion, I'm Roman Reigns, but my real name is Joe. Okay. And I've been battling leukemia for 10 years. Oh. And it has come back, oh. and I have to go off screen for a while. Mm-hmm. He's the champion, you know. They have like boxing. Yeah, He's like, right. I have to lay down my title. championship. Has yeah, a title, yeah, yeah, I have to lay that down. I have to go away, and I have to um, to go fight this for a while. And then, uh, really interesting. Other wrestlers came out out of character. The announcers. This is really wild. Spoke. Uh, they acknowledged the constructed nature of the program. So, breaking the fourth wall is something that, yeah, in theater, yeah, in traditional theater, it's something that's more and more common, but in wrestling, it's still a big taboo, right? I think it happens, I mean, there's on one hand the number of times that's happened on a big television program, right? But they acknowledge, like, we live in this alternate world, but we're real people, and we're real colleagues, and the whole show is people speaking either out of character or half out of character. About this, and it got me thinking about what we were talking about earlier about like truth and them, like oh, yeah, uh, when they acknowledge like this is fake. Um, yeah, it's really wild news.
1: How do people feel? I- I'm interested in not just how you feel about it, but yeah. how how do the fans of of, of wrestling feel about this
0: <laughs> uh, weird unveiling? Yeah. So a couple things. One, I think um, uh, the the. He's a weird character in that because he's the big thing, a lot of people hate him too, right? Oh, he's like so a the, No, he, he's what's oh, called a face, right? He's the good oh. guy, right? But he's such a corny good guy oh. that people, like, Don't push like. back against that, okay. right? Okay. So there are people in the middle of, like, booing him or or taunting him when he breaks character. And he says, I have leukemia, right? I am have to go get treatment for this. Yeah. Um, mm. And uh, and it's, like, a weird shift in the whole tone of the night. Yeah, it must um, be. And the crowd got like really silent. Um, and on the other side of things, um, legit news organizations started sharing it too, um, and it became like a, even places that would not normally have a knowledge wrestling were discussing like mm. this as either you know a business story or a theater story mm. um, or just like a, you know a feature sort of thing. Mm. Really, really interesting.
2: Wow, that's really interesting. Um... Especially the breaking character part um, and how, which is exactly what I was going to ask you, you know, in, in, because I imagined a crowd, you know, booing and then having to, like, renegotiate their boo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, exactly. And, and sort, of, leave, and sort of cash themselves up short and sort of say, uh, oh, now what? Like, yeah. what's, what's the actual, you know, how, how do I break character now? Yeah. As, as an audience member mm. and, and react to this mm-hmm. human. Um, it, the, the first thing, just sort of writing-wise, it, 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 it made me think about was the, the way um, certain poems start out with proclamations. And mm-hmm. proclamations are often the, the sort of most honest sort of outburst form of somebody's kind of inner truth that sort of comes out um, on the page almost without noticing and uh, I asked I asked a class the other day at UMBC to just write out immediately a set proclamation like write it out whatever comes to you that's absolutely you know true to you it does not have to be traumatic it could be joyful it can just be you know a sort of um immediate spoken truth but say it at the top of the page, don't write your way toward it, say it at the top of the page. And they came out with these extraordinary statements, mm. just flat out, no hold barred truths, I think is what they were. And one was, you know, she hasn't touched me in a year. And um, and uh, we just sort of went down the line and, and, and there was a kind of like almost re- reverberating Space and silence around these proclamations. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, what is it really that causes you to break character or that, you know, asks that you um, oh. say the true thing? Yeah. Well, you Absolutely. know, I think in a poem, in, in, in life, and what does it mean? This is all just what, what the, I know nothing about wrestling. But yeah. The yeah. phenomena is fascinating, and especially as you framed it. And so, what does it mean to even walk down the street and break character? Yeah. Know, and to actually notice somebody um, and to speak into them, not to them or, you know, by way of fulfilling the conventions of sort of meeting up yeah. know, with a stranger, but actually into them.
1: Yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally interested in that, in, yeah. in, in that, um, I don't know about the proclamations part, but I'm totally interested in people uh, breaking character in real life. Mm-hmm. Like a uh, part of my, I, I am often writing when I'm in public spaces where I see people, it's it's astounding to me to watch people. Um, that's because I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we all think of ourselves as in character or out of character. Yeah, I yeah often, that's the question. I right? often think of myself as constantly out of character. <laughs> so it's so it's different for me. I, I feel like I'm. I, I've struggled more to be in character. In general, as a as a okay, person, you're supposed to
2: behave. Yeah, like this yeah. Is how a professor is Yeah, supposed right. Exactly.
1: Right. All of that. Yeah. Right. I feel like, yeah. oh, I'm supposed to be. I should be thinking about this as I'm mm-hmm. walking down the hallway. As I'm talking to my student, I really. That's something I often think about. But I'm more interested in people who are in character all the time, who yeah. who break character, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, um, it's totally you know, fascinating. Yeah, it is, mm-hmm. and you know, even in places of. Uh, Extreme, uh, I don't know, uh, not not trauma, but even hectic places, airports and stuff yeah. like that. I love to watch people like you know take off the Something veneer yep. and be
0: like a, a re- say their truth, as you yeah. are saying. You yeah. know what I mean? I yeah. think it's fascinating. It I, there's this amazing uh, NPR piece. I think it's this American Life. Um, they did this piece on the the way we perform hate mm. and rage. Um, and so they looked at this specific case of like back in like an, one of those 80s satanic panic cases where they blamed some gruesome thing on Satanists, right? oh yeah, um they looked at that and they looked at all the way the people in the town performed their anger and their rage um versus how they acted um when they were in intimate small settings mm. and um mm. I don't know I think i I don't know. I think that the way we're talking this is why I'm telling you, I think I said last episode, I do think this particular form of theater, professional mm-hmm. wrestling, is one rich for this sort of like scholarly inquiry. Whether it's related to You should to like, write about this I, I I'm I think look me I think you I mean I think I'm starting this. to think about it. But I mean you look at the way that like you know like uh and Butlerian like ideas of performance, yeah. right? Yeah. Um and look at I think um we've talked about this before on the podcast. Umberto Echo talks about the layers of person in narrative, right? So you have the narrator, you have the Author function, and then you have the person, the author behind the author function, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I think it's just really ripe.
2: Um,
1: I'm I'm not interested in wrestling in that in that sort of way, but I but I think that a lot of people, some people may find it uh, as interesting and as convincing as you as you do, and so you should, since you're so passionate about it, you should write um, to that end.
0: I should, Cece, before in within the next year, will you come watch? A pro wrestling
1: thing on TV with me. Oh, sure. I wa- okay, wa- w- watched it in the past, a long great. time ago. Great. But yeah, I'd, w- I'd watch it.
0: Great. Yeah, I don't know that.
1: I don't know that I like it.
0: Watch it with producer it. Ian and <laughs> producer Ian's wife, who hasn't given his consent to say her name, so I won't. But um, I watch it with them, and you know, she's a. Art historian, art scholar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an MFA. He's a writer, yeah, yeah, yeah. producer. Uh, I have a, I have
1: issues with the male, uh, the maleness of it. So, oh, So, yeah, so, so yeah. for me, I, I already know that my barrier is going to be up because mm-hmm. of the, uh, my you know the feminist, yeah, the yeah. feminist part, gay's part. I'm I, I'm mm-hmm. not, sure. but anyway, I'll wa- I'll watch anything. I mean, I'll you know I'll watch anything once. I don't know yeah. if I'm I, into
0: it. I think it's really right for a feminist reading of it because you can see it's really easy to see. The it's really just easy to see the ethic and the epistemology that exists within the universe. It's sure, easy to read that as it, it applies to gender. Yeah, of course um, it to is. Hyper sure masculinity, sure. emphasize femininity, sure. um, bodies, yeah. Yeah.
1: spaces in bodies, the formativity of male. Bodies in space. Yep. Oh, I can talk. Yeah. I mean, gays, I, I, have, yeah. I have not. So, right, but I don't want to get. See, I'm already fired up about enough babies. <laughs> I don't want to get angry at pro wrestling. I yeah. just feel like yeah. it's so far down the list. I have so much other work to do. I just, but I will watch it.
0: And we're back with the final portion, the bang portion of the podcast. Yes, we do are. Every month, it's some sort of wild card, some question that. Yeah. Uh, At least two of us didn't know about until we got here to record today.
1: (laughs) At least two of us. I love that. I love that
0: response. So today, Cece, you've got a bang for us. What do you got?
1: I do. Yeah. So I've been thinking about um, books and movies, uh, which all, not all, but a lot of people watch, uh, read books, and then subsequently movies are made after the books are published, Um, sometimes even in the reverse. But in any event, um, my question is simple and direct. What... Book was made into a movie um, that you absolutely love the book, but you absolutely hate the movie.
0: Um, So I'm going to twist this question just slightly because something immediately comes to mind, but it's maybe not a reasonable answer to your original question because I've not seen the film. But everything I've heard about the film makes me uninterested. Oh
1: no, you have to see it. You have. You have to. You have
0: (laughs) to have seen. Let let me play it out first. So the thing I was going to say was. Uh, Patricia the Highsmith the price of salt oh, which yeah. was uh later released as carol and the film is called carol right? right and that book so it's um sort of within if we have an lgbtq canon it's very much in the lesbian canon um and it's gorgeously written um it's about um an, uh, a young woman she's working in new york um an older wealthy woman comes into her department store and they fall in love and they drive across the country um and so the hardships the legal hardships they face um it's a queer story about uh class and age mm-hmm. and power um it explains like dismissive men um in a really like complete way early on when we're talking about you know second wave era of feminism right, in this yeah, yeah. um it's a it's a great book, and it's really gorgeously written. I but, think so the thing is that it's gorgeously written, right? Exactly and so so the film, everyone's like, it's a good film, and it's great to the story and the acting is great. but um it's not about the writing in the way. So I think that's really at the crux of the adaptions for me is their adaptions I love. are adaptions I hate, but there's there's something about written literature that is lost. And I don't want to be, I'm not a book purist either. I just think like, in this case, you can the, be, the writing you itself is so important. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. There's yeah. so much of what I love about the book. Yeah. And even though uh, the clips I've seen, the pieces I've seen look gorgeous and great, the writing's all gone. Right?
1: Oh, except I what Except
0: for what, the dialogue. You've got right? to watch this movie. I did. Yeah, you it's gotta, all my got to
1: see, and just see <laughs> how bad, or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe it's not, maybe it's not as bad as you think. Yeah. I
0: don't know. On the other side of things, I just watched Annihilation, and I haven't read that book yet, so I'm interested in doing the reverse there. Oh, Um, it's going to be dangerous. It could be. Watch the
1: movie and not going to read the book? Yeah. Dangerous.
0: I'll do both eventually. I'll catch up with each other. I don't know.
1: Right. What's, um, what's and, yours? And, some, and I've done both with many uh, movies that have been out. But anyway, mine is really simple. Uh, it's for color girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Mm-hmm. Is the book by Intozaki Shange. Uh, mm-hmm. Very simply, it's a book. It's a choreo poem uh, with multiple black women's uh, perspectives in New York City and how they uh, their lives unravel. They know, it, know each other, but also they live lead very different lives. And... Um, it's a very it's a gra- it's a groundbreaking black feminist book that is I would say arguably in my top 5 of all time. Um yeah, I mean j- j- uh for the form, also for the content, the form in and of itself was was pretty radical at the time to get published. Um, It's almost like a poem. It's almost like vignettes of a poem that are strung together in an odd sort of way. So even that um, was groundbreaking or avant-garde for the time period. So anyway, um, you know, that's the book. Uh, Tyler Perry made the movie uh, called For Colored Girls. Um, If you didn't see it, Please don't, no. listeners. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to destroy any of our listeners who are uh, Tyler Perry fans. But this arguably was the most painful um, movie that I that I have ever seen done on a book. Um, there were lots of fantastic black female um, actresses that were in the movie that I thought were, you know. Uh, Was impressive, you know. uh, Felicia Rashad, Whoopi Goldberg, um, you know, Janet Jackson—all these really kind of prominent Black women were in the movie. But the movie, um, which did, as Anthony say, include—it did actually include some of the writing, which so he did actually lift some of the text and use it in the movie. But yo, I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I—you know—I tend to be. Anthony says he's not a book a book purist. I'm pretty close to being one, and I think that. I mean, you can make an adaptation, but what you have to keep in are the essential parts that make the book sort of stand out for yep. movie watchers. Yep. And this book just capitalized on everything, like sensational. Um, you know, Janet Jackson. They tried to add in the HIV/AIDS epidemic, and I'm like, what? Even though I, I totally stand for you know, making something relevant, but you can't, you can't inject that into a book that was written during a time period when this, you know, I mean, it just makes no sense. You know what I mean? To sort of inject that sort of, um, it, it, it felt sensationalist to me. It felt like pandering. It felt like a, an opportunity where he was gonna, you, you know, do this quote unquote great thing. No, you don't need to do a great thing, Tyler Perry, man. You, The great thing has already been done by Ntozake Shange, mm-hmm. who wrote the book. So that's all you need. And, you know, and I, I mean, I, I argue what would even go, so far as to say arguing that a man adapting this book is even even that at its core unless it's a very uh sensitive man is a is a very difficult sort of thing but it happens all the time why you know um white writers reinterpret black novels or i mean this happens this happens all the time so i should be used to it but i was just particularly offended by uh this movie so anyway
0: there's a major complaint with um uh uh what's a blue is the warmest color yeah the adaption of that right yep. really beautiful queer book yeah film adaptions is like ripe with male gaze and yep. it's about like male views of uh lesbian and same sex love yep.
2: yeah yeah so
1: anyway that's my
0: yeah
2: Leah. really good well i i <laughs> i am so protective of my reading experiences that i almost i, I pretty much never see Adaptations, um, and it's it's the same Sounds kind of um, I don't know drive that that you know keeps me from ever you know returning to my childhood home, um, which my parents sold after having lived there for fifty years uh, back in New York. Uh, I don't I don't want to see what's been done to it. Um, you know I've heard. Things have been done to it, which are awful, and I I don't want to see it. Um, uh, it's almost like not wanting to see an embalmed you know person, you, which you know is yeah. unfortunate You're like, because I knew
0: that person, and that's no longer that person. A, a
2: last chance. I understand the drive there, but it's almost impossible to get that last image out of your head. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then of course some of the comments I think uh, that are made over embalmed bodies um, at viewings are sort of similar to the sorts of comments that are made uh, over remakes like oh it j- looks just just like him it looks so real he it looks so real it looks exactly <laughs> like him or whoa that's you know I don't know what they did to him because yeah. he doesn't look anything like that or he would never have worn that shirt so it's sort of the same uh, set of issues uh, and I recognize that I'm a big baby about this and um, I need to keep <laughs> I need to keep things, uh, you know, experiences that were really pure and important and that I discovered on my own um, intact in that way. Um, I, I remember seeing uh, Night on Earth, which is an incredibly, incredibly beautiful series of vignettes by Jim Jarmusch, and thinking, wow, this Resembles a collection of very short stories. They're beautiful um, vignettes, each you know unto itself, um, of you know what's going on all over the world at a certain moment at night, and um, so it, I, it has the quality. It's a it's a it's a film that has the quality of. Um, a short story, but w- what I liked is the quality of it. I didn't want to s- read it as a short story. I didn't want mm. really to experience it yeah. in a different form as a short story. What I loved was that it had the quality of a mm. short story. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted it intact, drawing from the you know genre, I guess, or even just the form of short story and doing its thing in that in that way. I didn't need it recreated. Although, all the dialogue was there, the scenes were very compact, um, uh, and it certainly could have been right. redone, you know, right. recast, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I have to sort of... No, but I love that you
1: protect your, like you said, your reading experience. I love that. I mm-hmm. mean, I, <laughs> I, I should do more of mm-hmm. that. <laughs>
0: Cool, so this has been a great episode. Thank you so Thank much you for so joining much. us. Thank you, Leah. Um, great to talk with you. Yeah, this yeah. has been a really wonderful conversation. It has been.
1: It's hopefully great our to see both. Hopefully yes. our listeners will enjoy it as well. Enjoy you. you. And looking forward to your new uh, collection of essays coming in March More twenty, pre- March 2019.
0: That's collection?
1: it. Yes. Right? We can't wait to read it. Great. Yeah. Thank you. And Leah, where can people find you, by the way? Uh, on, on Online, a
0: website? Oh, or... I have
2: a website. It's just <laughs> leahperpera.com and... I'm at UMBC.
0: Yes. Are you on social media at all? You stay off social media. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm sort of off that. Good, I am good. on Facebook. <laughs> you um, are on Facebook. Yeah. People
0: can find you yeah, there. Yeah,
2: can find me there.
0: Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. We hope everyone will check them out. Thank you. And as always, this has been another episode from Triumph City. I'm Anthony. I'm Cece. And this has been Lit. Pop. Bang.